Welcome to the Panel Scanners Holiday Special 2021. And this year, we actually have a full group of people, which is always, always fun. First, Matt. How are you doing tonight, Matt? I'm back. I'm your holiday present, gentlemen. I have not been here for a couple of months. And I know that Sour Face is really just one of pure admiration, and I really appreciate that, Phil. Uh, but I'm back, and I'm excited to see you guys. And, and uh, yeah, sorry for my absence, but I got a lot of stored-up energy and a lot of stored-up uh, laughter at Darren's wisecracks and all that good stuff. So I'm excited to be here, guys. I, the, the face was really because I pictured you with a bow, and it, I'm not I'm not in my best place today, and that did not help my life at uh, all. Nothing it else. doesn't help that that's all I'm wearing, but that's okay. All right, gentlemen. Uh-huh. Also with us is Mark. How are you doing, Mark? Tired and glad to be here. I think I think that is kind of the vibe for all of us, trying to keep yeah. that pace. I was going to try to say more things and be clever, but that's just not happening, so... Yeah, my, <laughs> I feel like my wit is going to be a little lackluster, but I'm sure Darren will bring it. Darren, what do you, what do you got tonight? Good day, A, in case you thought, like, I wasn't going to be on it. Oh, I guarantee you'd be on it. <laughs> <coughs> oh, that second part was Gary. <laughs> Gary, thank you for helping Darren with whatever that was. Really? I've come here to chew gum and talk comics. And I'm all out of bubble gum. That's oh man, paraphrasing I, I, a lot of stuff today. So yeah, no, that was way too many references balled up into one that I just can't can't keep up. Oh man, so a lot a lot has happened uh, while we were away. So Gary, how about you kick us off? The king is dead. Long live the king. Move over, Superman and Batman. There's a new record-setting hero in town. Uh, in, in a move that I never thought would happen, and I know on this podcast we've uh, pretty much guaranteed it never would, uh, the sale of an Amazing Fantasy number 15, featuring the first-ever appearance of Spider-Man, has set the record for the most expensive comic ever sold. Uh, the comic sold September 9th, uh, for $3.6 million as part of Heritage Auction Signature Comics and Comic Art Auction. Um, the census-shattering sale beat out the previous record of Action Comics number 1, published in 1938 and featuring the first-ever appearance of Superman, which sold privately for $3.25 million earlier this year. I was so uh, the Spider-Man comic was graded as a 9.6 CGC, and is one of only four copies known to exist in near-mint condition, and is currently the highest-rated uh, copy of that particular comic. There are no 9.8s in existence. It's crazy. Um, the previous record for this book was uh, $795,000. It was a 9.4-graded copy that Heritage sold in 2020. Um. <sighs> We could talk about this for 15, 20 minutes. I mean, th th this is not supposed to happen. I, I mean, this Superman, the Action Comics number one was never supposed to be unseated. You know, just from, through rarity and, like, as we've mentioned, that's been, like, the holy grail of pop culture. You know, I, so think, is, I, I think there might be a little bit of a 
reflection here of popularity of the character too. I, I think just simply with the handling of Superman as of late, um, especially in other media above comics, I, that might be a reflection as to why Spider-Man it didn't outsold. Well, I would think those that are you know dropping several million dollars on a comic book are above that. Okay, let me, let me clarify. I, I I'm not. I guess I'm. I'm more surprised that this happened, and it didn't get rectified already. You know, like there wasn't an Action Comics that sold like a week later to put it back on back up on top. Well, I think the degree of rarity would speak to that. I mean, how mm-hmm. many of those are out there available? And that high of condition. Did the last, I, uh, I mean, I know you're the one that generally tracks these, Gary. The last action comics that sold was it to a collector or was it to like? Well, that was it was, it was it was a private it was a private sale. It was uh, three and a quarter million. This is like it's nothing to sneeze at. Major mm-hmm. Spider-Man fanboy who just wanted it to be number one. Now, keep in mind, this was, you know, on the heels of, you know, that trailer that everybody in the world, well, almost everybody watched, um, you know, for Spider-Man 3. So, like, I, I get what you said about it being you know, the hot property at the time, but... When did the previous... You know, it's just one of those, you know, NFT-type era things that, you know, people have got money to dump on, you know, not dump, but, I mean, it's a good investment because, you know, it's not going to go down. Yeah. But... That's not supposed. That's not how this is supposed to work. When did the previous? There's a lot more of those out there. And I had one of these in my hand. You did. That's, Mark. Mark's oh. been trying to jump in here, Gary. Mark, what's your question? Oh, I'm sorry. Asking, I'm when sorry. did the previous record holder sell? The Action Comics. That yes. was. Uh, let's see. Um, March of 2020. Okay, so so on the I mean, cusp of pandemic, so. The full effects of a pandemic could have very well impacted that price drive on this one. Be right. interesting to see how this plays out in the future and what comes after. That dude's going to well, sell that I comic guess... on eBay for like four hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless somebody's grandmother happens to have like, oh yeah, we stored uh, you know forty copies of this, you know, back when your grandpa was a boy. You know, that's never going to go down. I mean, I mean, last spring the world went topsy turvy. Why not this too? Yeah, right. that's a good point, Mark. Just nothing. The status quo just doesn't hold anymore. Everything's different. Why? Why this not comic true. Yeah. <laughs> but like I said, I I, I kind of thought an action comics would, uh, you know, step up and take over shortly after to you know make things right again. But it hasn't. It might. And it's been several months already. I want to see. I was interested to see when uh, Detective Comics number twenty seven finds its way back into that mix. <laughs> um. Well, see, that was what November of 2020, but that was like 1.5 million. So that was a, a record for the Batman title. I'm surprised that's. But it, it wasn't creeping up on Superman at all. So, well, so I guess uh, the moral of the story is uh, start getting yourself graded. I thought um, the moral of the story was that Phil will never ever own that comic. Well, that is absolutely that. See, Phil, had we known each other earlier, you might have. Like I said, I had one of these in my hand, man. I did too. I need to mute myself before yep. I scream. Thanks to you, Gary. I had that in my hand. <clears throat> oh, 
Well, if you're going to get your uh, <clears throat> comics graded, uh, you're going to have to go through uh, Diamond Comics, possibly, because they just bought CGC, which is a competitor to... Uh, no, I'm sorry. That's wrong. They just bought CGA, the uh, Collectible Grading Authority, which is a competitor to CGC. Um, this now goes under the uh, Gepi family of enterprises, uh, Diamond Comics distributors, um, distributor of English comics, graphic novels, and pop culture merchandise. Um, other grading brands that uh, is under the CGA umbrella include Action Figure Authority, or AFA, Video Game Authority, Diecast Authority, and Collectible Doll Authority. So, uh, okay, I, I'm not even going to get into the the what's of this story. What? Okay, here, here's what here's what bothers me. You have a distributor who now has their own grader. Isn't this sort of a, I don't say conflict of interest, but does it seem fair that they get first crack at everything? You know, they could just cherry pick and then start, you know, putting stuff aside. I mean, is that something that could possibly happen? They could also influence the market by grading inappropriately to push sales in one direction or another. There's a lot of different directions this could go. And yeah, I mean, that, that's part of why I brought this up is it, it just, it rubbed me wrong and I wasn't quite sure why. It, it just, I don't want to say, it's, it's, um, yeah, like you said, they can kind of set their own prices almost. It's, it's not conducive to a fair market at all. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one feeling that way. No, that's wrong. <laughs> okay. No, that, that's, that's, I don't want to say good that it's wrong, but, um, I don't, um, wow, brain fog. <laughs> We're all there tonight, man. We're all there. Yeah, oh. I'm sorry, guys. Um, I'll help you out. Right. You are yes, talking about grading comics, and it just so happens the next story, also about comics. That that That's right. We're talking about movie. No, crap. That's it. All right. Nope. Never mind. All right. So, talking about <laughs> comics, keeping with the idea of what Gary was discussing there. Uh, I got some new Star Wars comics coming out for you guys, and so if you're interested in how the movie Solo ended, and I know both Darren and I talked about it, and, and all joking aside, like that was we felt like that was pretty underrated, right? Am I right, Darren? Am I speaking for you too much? Nope. Yeah, I thought the, actually I thought the the kind of the Star Wars universe movies that have come out in the last you know little bit with Rogue One and Solo have actually been maybe a little bit more successful than the second and third installments in the rebooted trilogy. Uh, I'll jump um, in and support rate, that. <laughs> yeah, I think most people would. I don't think I'm going out on too much of a limb there. No. Um, but at any rate, yeah, if you really enjoyed those films and specifically Solo, which I, like I said, I walk away from it really enjoying it, um, you were introduced to the character Kira, uh, which is played by Amelia Clark, otherwise known as the Mother of Dragons from Game of Thrones. Um, so the comic book is going to be coming out soon. We still don't have a date on it. No website that I've been able to find is actually given a specific date on release. Um, but you're going to be following that character as uh, we already know she's taken over Crimson Dawn. Uh, again, this is going to be called Star Wars Crimson Reign. Uh, and it's going to show her becoming a formidable part of the underworld and reportedly meeting and befriending uh, Ren and his knights. So again, maybe kind of leading into a little bit of what we discussed in the, the newest trilogy about the Knights of Ren and things like that. So uh, you can look forward to that coming out fairly soon. And that's been kind of hitting all the Star Wars uh, websites at this point, so it shouldn't be too far off here. Uh, next up is Mark. 
Yeah, we've got some uh, new details on the upcoming epic story, Batman Shadows of the Bat, running in Detective Comics. That's uh, following up from James Tynan's current fear stage, which is wrapping up shortly, I believe. Sorry, I haven't been reading comics for a while, but I think it's wrapping by the end of the year. Uh, this will be written by Mariko Tamaki with various artists per title, and uh, this will be running weekly starting with DC number uh, Detective Comics number 1047 on January 4th. Uh, this will be exploring the aftermath of Batman deciding to leave Gotham, how the Bat family handles it, and a new Arkham Tower being erected in the middle of the city to house dangerous inmates. What could possibly go wrong with that plan? <laughs> so... On that note, uh, DC, uh, you got some more DC news flapping in for us, Darren? Yes, I do. And I'm going to quote Norm MacDonald with that Arkham Tower. It falls right in line with Gotham's plans to have a complete disaster. Uh, (laughs) DC Fandome. In 2020, DC ran a virtual convention, DC Fandome, in response to the global pandemic shutting down traditional comic conventions. It was... Before its launch, it was widely criticized uh, at the time, including right here on this podcast, with many theorizing that it was a mere capital move. However, it drew a staggering $22 million in attendance and registration. It was certainly enough for another round of fandom, which occurred last month. Now, before we get to the content, which was plentiful, anyone want to take a stab at the streaming numbers it pulled in? You're right. Oh, 66 million. <laughs> that is insane. insane. Holy cow. I that that blew my mind. Uh, now those in attendance were treated to new images, trailers and video from Black Adam, The Batman, Aquaman, The Lost Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, The Flash, that would be the new movie that's coming out. And there was also a reveal from the Flash TV show. Guys, he's got yellow boots now. Watch out. Peacemaker, video games from uh, from Suicide Squad, Killed the Justice League, to Gotham Knights, everything from the Arrowverse and tons of new comic content. Fans also got new info on TV with Doom Patrol announced for Season 3 at Fandome and upcoming animated series from both Superman and Batman, both of which look awesome. Now, the big news were, were vids from Black Adam in which we actually got to see Black Adam in action um, the Batman put out a new trailer, and The Flash, with some, not quite a trailer, but it was being narrated by Michael Keaton as Batman, so people were kind of freaking out about that. I was one of them. Um, there's certain to be more from DC fandom as those streaming numbers, and this, I'll use the technical jargon, it's kind of a big-time deal, eh? Uh, lots of eyes on this, and they're not operating stealthily at all. But Marvel is trying to, at least in their digital market. Um, just this past week, uh, Marvel's stealth released uh, the first issue of a Fantastic Four miniseries with no heads up on their Marvel Unlimited service, um, which is slightly concerning uh, in the thought that generally, if they do digital releases of comics and only digital releases of comics, once they're done with the whole run, they collect them or release them in physical format. But they have no plans as of now to do that with this run, which could be a nod in the direction of more digital-only comics, um, which I know not everyone's a big fan of, especially local comic book shops, for good reason. 
And even though I do read some things digitally, I still enjoy having my physical comics. So it's a little bit of a concern, um, but it, it seems to be some sort of weird trend with these comic companies starting to limit their printings. Isn't that right, Gary? That is right. I was just going to say uh, that stealth release would not work for Image Comics. Uh, Image Comics has informed the comic book retailers that they will no longer be publishing second, third, fourth printings of any title as a result of the printing and distribution issues. Uh, they sent a letter to the retailers stating that the, due to shipping delays, supply chain crunch, and paper shortages, uh, starting now, for the foreseeable future, there will be no second printings of any title. Uh, they're also adjusting their schedule of upcoming titles over the next few weeks to reflect a more responsible usage of raw material availability. Um, will this lead to increased orders? Or will they not having enough first issues out there in the comic shops uh, limit the availability of people who maybe will pick up a series, you know, a couple issues in trying to catch up? Um, I mean, me personally, that would have been no canto for me. Right. I mean, there's, there's a lot, right? Like, even currently in things that we'll talk about later this month, um, like the you, oh, yeah. uh, the you, you see in the dark, um, the new Scotty Young book is in like its third or fourth printings because it hit and it was so good. Um, yeah, so, my, my issue one was a second printing. Right. It, it's, so. it's one of those things that it's, it's almost scary for the creators. They, they won't be able to pull in as much if, if that's the case, if something does sell very well. Because word of mouth yeah. and websites and things are how these things sell, and that's why they go to second printings. I don't know. Like, did the, is that really is it going to save them money that much more than make them money to limit prints? I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if, if the second, third, fourth printings were somehow interrupting, you know, the first printings of other books. If it was throwing their schedules off, um, the articles I read did not kind of touch on that. So that's sort of you know behind the curtain type stuff, but. Um, I, I would yeah, guess it, it, it is financially driven. Um, printing runs are not cheap. So if you put a first print out and that garners interest and gets a physical presence, then people hear about it through word of mouth. And then you move to digital, you save a ton of money in not doing a second, third or fourth print run. But that's the thing. Like, I think we're still in a, I don't know. I haven't really looked at the numbers. Are we still more in a, in a print market for comics or is there a shift seriously heading to the digital world seems to fluctuate right well maybe they're trying to make the catalyst to push in that direction and make it happen i mean they're, they're, that could backfire point at the beginning that wouldn't really help the companies that are trying to purchase the authority to determine the grade and quality <laughs> yeah. comic books when they're all digital it's always a 10.0 i guess i mean yeah. it could be a knee-jerk reaction no resale. right I mean, I mean it could be also the knee-jerk reaction to like substack and things where these creators are doing their own thing anyway. So maybe this is images correction for that. Then maybe they're not pulling in as much money because their creators are working elsewhere. Yeah. That's a good well, point. That, a, but I, I hadn't really considered the digital comics were would absolutely eviscerate the secondary market. I mean, moving yeah. forward, I mean, you're still going to have your legacy comics, but man, right. that would wreak havoc on an entire segment of the business in the future. <laughs> Well, you you had mentioned about the uh, you know the artists themselves. Um, 
and this is sort of related, and I got to wonder if maybe this has something to do with it. But I guess earlier this week, the uh, workers of Image Comics announced the formation of the Comic Book Workers United, a unionization effort pushing for a number of significant changes in the workplace related to equity, accessibility, and transparency within the company. Uh, Image says they've always believed in the fair and equitable treatment of staff and has always strived to support the employees. Uh, however, they have failed to recognize the union. Um, so because of that, I don't know what the actual legal proceedings are, but I, apparently there are now petitions in order, you know, going through legal channels. Um, you know, they had asked Image to voluntarily recognize them, and Image rejected that. And it, it's, it's weird for Image because they were started by... Uh, help me out here. Um, McFarlane. McFarlane. I would say Spawn McFarlane. And, um, um, and that was about yeah. creator control, right? Yeah. yeah, it was McFarlane. It was Lee, right, Mark? Uh, it was Jim yeah, Lee. Yeah, well, Lee's back Todd at Marvel now, isn't Marlin, he? Wills Portacio, mm -hmm. uh, Rob Liefeld. Yes. Jim Lee is in the God okay. at DC, Gary. Okay, he's at DC. Okay, I thought I, I knew it was one of the big two. but Yeah, it was... It was but this was the start of Image. Yeah, they, they they definitely kicked it off. Those were the artists. It was like that spin out of um, a lot of those Vertigo comics and things that they needed a place to release something that wasn't, you know, your your normal family friendly superhero. No, that and, was more that they wanted full rights to their stuff. I mean that too. Yeah. Yes. Image Image was about creator rights. Right. One hundred percent. Okay, so so this this going on at Image, which which is about you know protection of the you know the, the creators it, it kind of seems i don't know like what happened to the company because that seemed to be like what what they were founded upon what you know is, is not what happens to all companies as they get bigger i mean it's it's sad through like if you kind of lose your roots in the end that's why we're seeing these other digital places like the aforementioned Substack. It's people didn't feel like, even though they still maintain most creator rights at Image, they didn't have full creator rights. So then they went somewhere so, else because there was because originally they did, but that was because the people creating for Image were the founders. Like it's it's really I, I mean because Image is blown up. Like it was the big two, and then it was like, well, Image is kind of like hanging out with the big boys. Yeah, but for a company that was again founded on the creators, I mean, is unionizing really, you know, the way to go? I mean, is that is that kind of you know is, has it got? I don't want to say it's had gotten that bad, but I mean, it must. You know, I, I thought that was the place where they could be free, you know, and apparently they're not. I mean, as soon as contracts are involved, having collective bargaining is not a bad thing. Yeah. But so anybody else have no problems with unions? Oh yeah. <laughs> So I don't have a lot of Batman news tonight, but boy, is there a lot of chaos on the West Coast out here with Disneyland. <laughs> Disneyland's been having some issues with unions for their employees. Uh, found out at the end of October, things started breaking down when uh, Disneyland refused to meet the city of Anaheim's new statute that um, service industry needed to up their minimum wage to $18 per an hour. Disneyland declined because subsidies were given by the city of Anaheim to the rest of the entertainment industry out there, whereas Disney is exempt from subsidies. So uh, talks started to break down, um, contract renewals, and cast members were increasingly frustrated over returns to 
park capacity. Um, now that things are back in full swing, their crowds are at record levels and they're understaffed, working grueling shifts and with horrible scheduling. Uh, apparently, we are going to get a vote on it on November 17th. Not we, but they. And uh, But apparently an agreement has been reached that's making both sides happy. Uh, speaking of scheduling, I think we got some from Phil. Yeah, so originally I was going to jump real in-depth with the fact that the Marvel Cinematic Universe once again adjusted its release schedule, kind of reshuffling some things around and pushing dates. But at this point, what's the point of saying like a release date for these movies? I sat down and looked at for instance, even the Spider-Man movie that's coming out next after the Eternals, its date has shifted three times. Black Widow before was like four times. Even Eternals got pushed a couple. It's not worth getting into the details. Just know that after Spider-Man in December, we don't have another Marvel like movie. We have Disney Plus shows, but we don't have a Marvel movie until May, which will be Doctor Strange, May 22nd. So... I adjusted myself slightly because these dates don't matter. When you see the trailer and it says coming out that day, then there you go. Isn't it strange that we're in a world where we're not going to have another Marvel movie for five more months is a thing. Considering like 25 years ago. (laughs) Right. Right. Like we're like, how dare they push it for five months Instead of one every five years. And then you're just like, well, that was okay when you walked out. Yeah. I just... And then one of those every five years was like, you know, Dolph Lundgren is the Punisher. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. But man, okay. So th- this is not the only set of movies that's being delayed, right, Darren? Ha! You and you're pushing a movie out five months. Please. <laughs> Well, I am already editing my what you're looking forward to list for 2022 as that which could have potentially taken my top spot. Indiana Jones 5 has been delayed again. Indy was set to release in July of 2022. That's next year. Uh, only like a only like, you know, a handful of months from now. It is now scheduled for June 30th, 2023. So, for those scoring at home, or if you're alone, this is the fourth time Indy 5 has been delayed as it was originally set for release in 2019. Harrison Ford will be 81 at the time of the film's release. This is starting to test even my patience. Though, as I said to Mark while we were chatting about Halloween a while back, I will be able to go as Indiana Jones anytime I want over the next 34 years and counting. Not aging out of that one anytime soon. Um, at any rate, if we've not already seen images from the video of this movie, I probably would figure we'd never see the light of day. Unlike some other long-awaited delay movies. Right. So, Eternals hit the theater. Have any of you guys seen Eternals yet? Nope. Nope. I'm seeing it Tuesday. Um, so I, I don't have an opinion about this uh, on the fact that this is the first certified rotten uh, Marvel movie that has dropped for a good, good, good while ever. It's it's not good, uh, according to the critics. Fans are still kind of pushing that, it, that it's okay. Um, as of recording this, the critic score is 47%, so certified rotten. 
while the audience is saying 80% that it is a worthwhile watch. Um, people I've talked to said it's fine. I, I don't know. I'm trying to reserve, and, and usually I don't really pay too much attention to these ratings. I've seen movies that are supposed to be fantastic, according to Rotten Tomatoes, and it's painful to get through. So who knows? Um, I just think it's interesting that after all the positivity that is Marvel movies that uh, we got one that might be a little bit of a stinker, but it does get, make me think that maybe, maybe Spider-Man won't suck. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Did you Please? hear, Phil, can I get your take on something? And you're sure, sure Mark. Um, Tom Holland has come out and said that Spider-Man is sad, dark, and dire. The new Spider-Man movie. And I'm like, you better be freaking lying about that because that's not what I that want better not be Spider-Man. I, I got enough of mopey Spider-Man with Sam Raimi's run. I, I want my I want my sarcastic smart-ass Spider-Man. I, the thing is, I agree, Mark, and I feel that we need to see sarcastic Spider-Man in a crappy situation I'm fine with. As soon as he flips his hair, I'm walking out of the theater. If there's a dance number, I will burn the theater down. <laughs> I think slowly what's going to happen over time is Spider-Man is just beginning, going to become Batman. Which is just more and you know just significantly darker each go around. Well, then so. someone then needs have to, to fight. show him, like, hey, even Batman could be funny, Spider Man. It's cool. Stop being such a emo, whiny little, you know what. Well, we'll, at, we'll... At, that, at that point, Spider Man and uh, Oliver Queen are going to have to fight for the title of Batman. Then, yeah, I'm taking over. Yeah. I will tell you, like, just the existence of the internet drives me crazy with stuff like this too. Because even seeing the poster for Spider-Man, I already know one of the villains that was supposed to be, like, semi-secret. Like, I just, I can't. I'm so, ugh, I, ugh, I can't. I can't keep thinking about this. Uh, I just, Max, give me something good. Give me something good. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to talk about something in a little bit where I was actively avoiding the internet and release in anticipation of a release or something. But speaking of anticipatory releases, uh, we got the book of Boba Fett dropping in December. And uh, recently what uh, Star Wars decided to do was uh, wet our palate a little bit and, and show us what's going on in the trailer. And I don't know, has anybody gotten the chance to actually watch the trailer? It's not very long. Oh, it's less than two oh, yeah. No. Yeah, I was going to say, I think how many, okay, now how many people have seen it? Ten times. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah, as you're going through there, I mean, you're getting uh, some carryover from Mandalorian uh, season two there, and you're going to see Fennec Shand, obviously, and you're going to see, um, obviously, he's taking over for um, Jabba the Hutt in, in his rule, and obviously, he's taking a very different approach to it, but it looks very exciting. I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm down for it. I think this is going to be a great installment. And I know that, um, I don't know, has anybody watched The Visions that's been coming out? It's kind of our Star Wars carryover mm -hmm. from the end of uh, no. the, um, the Bad Batch into this new one. Uh, it's not bad, actually. It's been really entertaining. They're only about maybe 10 minutes long. They're not terribly long at all. But, uh, yeah, I'm ready for an actual show to start up again. I've been thirsting for The Mandalorian here a little bit, and, and so this will be good enough to, to carry me over until Mandalorian Season 3. But I am excited. And so if you get an opportunity, run out there and check it out. It looks like uh, Boba Fett's going to be shockingly egalitarian in his rule over Tatooine. So we'll see how that works out for us. Uh, speaking of shocking, um, actually, it's not shocking at all. No. Bill, why don't you tell us a little bit about the guy who talked out of his butt as Ace Ventura? Talks out of his butt, talks out of a giant robot, maybe. Uh, Jim Carrey got cast as Modoc in the Disney MCU Disney Plus shows. Um, assumedly, 
at least rumors are floating around about it being as early as the She-Hulk TV show, which I believe is the show that is going to drop after Hawkeye. Um, I can't keep track of those either because they shuffled those as well. Um, but I don't know. They are really leaning into Modoc trying to be funny people. First, we got Patton Oswalt doing them on Hulu and now Jim Carrey. And yes, he's always been kind of a joke in the comics, but I guess I never really thought of him as like a comedian. Hey, Phil, um, a while back, we had a story that they were trying to get Jim Carrey into a Deadpool movie as a villain. And we had a little discussion about who he could play. You don't think this is somehow connected to that? No, because Deadpool is still kind of on the outskirts of that, like not completely because there's no the X-Men aren't accepted in those X-Men movies is what Deadpool's more tied to. So I don't see that being the case. It has been said that this MODOK is going to be the Disney Plus shows. Okay. I, I didn't know since MODOK is sort of a joke of a villain and Deadpool isn't really kind of taken seriously. And they interact that was with maybe in the comics. Where... Okay. They do. Like, no, I, I just realized that we had met, brought Jim Carrey up like last year sometime. Right. And now we've got a name. And of course, after all this, Tom Hanks said something about MCU's never come to him to do anything. A little bummed out about it. I thought it was funny. Uh, so yeah, Jim Carrey will be MODOK. So we'll have two MODOKs on the small screen. It's real interesting. Speaking of the small screen and things that were surprisingly interesting, Darren? Uh, this makes me feel some feels. Not sure which feels I'm feeling, but there's a bunch of feeling going on. So last month, uh, Smallville was the 20th anniversary, 20th anniversary of Smallville's debut on television in a network that no longer exists. Man, that thing propped up two networks during its existence. Uh, listen, that show went from, I'll check this out to see how bad it is, to a genre-defining classic by the time it was wrapped up after season 10. I still can't believe they got 10 years out of the red boot blur. Um, make no mistake, a lot is owed to Smallville. Um, that, that helped pave the way for this superhero media, the forums of movies we're getting, the video games, absolutely, especially the TV shows. Over its 10 year run, there were some huge missteps. I don't think any show peaked and valleyed the, quite the way Smallville did. I mean, Mark and I were watching simultaneously and... We would literally, like, talk about how bad it was. Of like, I don't know how they're going to pull themselves out of this one. And then we'd be like, oh, my God, they pulled themselves out of it. And then they would, they'd hit a nice right run for, like, it's like a roller coaster. would be up at the top for a little while, and then they'd completely bottom out and then work their way back up. And that was just, that was kind of the M.O. of that show for a long time. Um, I'd, I'd actually argue that I think Smallville would have been much better served as a half-season show. Oh, for sure. So I think a so lot of those filler. problems were because of all the filler episodes. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's, that, to me... Hey, that, look, somebody's possessed. I mean, that's like, you know, Green Arrow, like the, the Arrow show. Ugh, I mean, that Arrow, for there's of the, of the eight seasons of Arrow, you could probably point to three of them where it just sits right alongside those uh, Netflix shows for Marvel, but the rest of it is like, oh, yeah, you're shooting arrows again. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, listen, this thing always finds itself 
whenever anytime someone's indexing their best superhero shows this thing's always near the top um it's and consider the innumerable amount of uh, superhero shows that have come since it's being celebrated with a 42 disc 218 episode collection of the series on blu-ray for the first time and here's the other thing smallville could be returning in animated form Back in June, Tom Welling, who played Clark Kent, and Michael Rosenbaum, who played Lex Luthor, Lex Luthor, for those not in the know, announced that they were working on a revival of the series, and they are um, locking in uh, most, to put it delicately, of the original actors returning to voice their roles. The idea was officially pitched to Warner Brothers last month in what felt like kind of a formality Feels like a no-brainer because there is still a ton of love for this show. It may replace Indy 5 on my What You Looking Forward To 2022 list if it is confirmed. Now, Anything speaking of things that that's... have been confirmed, Matt's love of a certain uh, novel series has been confirmed. And I was so excited to watch this movie. It was beamed into my house for free, and I still haven't done it. Oh, well, it's good. It's good. Yeah. So here's the thing. Let's be careful with that. I don't care about the series. It's the first book. And I think that's the general consensus about Dune. Uh, so, of course, uh, Darren is alluding to Dune Part Two, as you would say in Denis Villeneuve's uh, home language. At any rate, um, if you guys are fans of the first one, which I think overwhelmingly has been well received by folks, uh, if you're like me, you didn't touch social media with regard to Dune. You didn't look at the trailers. You didn't look at any information at all that was about it. In fact, I actively avoided it. If I saw an article about it, I just walked away from it. So when I found out that it was actually going to be split up in movies is when I actually started watching it on HBO Max and it said part one on the opening screen. So <laughs> we did not go to the theater. I was a little bummed out by that, that my first experience was on a relatively, relatively small screen. I did want to try to see it in the theater. Oh, we did. tried to make it happen and it just, it couldn't work out for our schedule. We pretty busy folks over here, but um, Phil, I saw you raising your hand. Did you get the chance to see it in the theater? Yeah, we saw it in the theater. It was, if you get a chance, Matt, like, you go like the the sound design is just whew, like you you feel that movie you feel it and that's what people just keep on saying is that it really is a true experience sorry somebody else was gonna say no i said it's a spectacle yeah it is yeah, i got the overall i got a good feeling it overall even from the from the television screen itself but and and keep in mind i've already watched it twice and so I intend on watching it again, probably. So why not? The third time's a charm. I'll just watch it in the theater this time around if I can catch some time to do so. Um, but it's been outstanding. And I think, like I said, it's been generally well received. Well, they've gone ahead and they've lit for greenlit the uh, part two coming out, which has not been filmed yet. It's not like they filmed both sections at one time. In fact, uh, director Dennis Villeneuve uh, wanted to avoid that situation, trying to not mimic what took place in Lord of the Rings. Uh, and instead wanted, because it's just an absolute behemoth of a, of a show and, and one that we saw um, hit the skids actually twice, right? David Lynch tried to direct, did direct it in the 80s. And then there was uh, Yadorowski, am I pronouncing that right? That tried to release it also in the 80s and ended up being a complete disaster behind the scenes. Uh, didn't even get released. So I think he knew what he was dealing with. I think two movies is appropriate. I'm really glad that they didn't go towards the uh, the Hobbit idea and turn a uh, well-received book into three movies instead I, of doing it two. I, 
I heard I heard it was supposed to be three. For Dune? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, now I'm getting disappointed because I've only heard the second one. But I've, nonetheless, never, I've, I've heard Villeneuve saying two from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's just two. I had read a recent article that said that it may be pushed to three with well, the pacing of the first. Let's keep our fingers crossed that they don't do that. I'm going to say that's speculation. I, I hope so because I, I, I don't know. I'm also a bad nerd and have not read Dune. Um, okay. It's on my list of things to read probably this winter. Uh, but I, yeah, so I don't, I don't have really a strong ground for it, but I, because after I saw it, I started reading articles and things and I saw a couple places say that, um, it didn't make it as far into the story as initially planned and that it could potentially push to three, but hopefully you guys are right. Cause I would much rather it be two. Yeah. And that second one is geared up now for 2023. So we do at least have a year release. Um, so you can expect them to start filming up again here probably shortly. Uh, and then releasing that in 2023 is the target date at this point. Um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say, I, and this is not said like in a, in that kind of studio, I read the book kind of way. I really, really enjoyed the film, but all it made me want to do is go back and read the book again. Um, that is Arguably, if, if you ask me to rate out some of my top books uh, of all time, Dune is going to always land towards the, one of the very highest ones. So it's just an amazing story. Uh, heavy, heavy uh, emphasis on uh, like Middle Eastern culture and things like that. It's really fascinating. Um, but nonetheless, uh, excellent movie. And the second part is due out in 2023. Due out, uh, actually due to start filming, I'm sorry, in 2022 is Disney Plus's The Acolyte. So this is going to be a television series. Um, that follows the uh, dark side, rather. Um, so that's going to begin filming in February of 2022 and therefore will not be due to be released until 2023 as well. Uh, in fact, what most prognosticators are saying is that we should be able to see the casting release here coming out shortly. I don't believe we have access to that. I hope my information is not old on that one, but we should see uh, casting coming out for that. But again, filming on that should begin in either February or March of next year. Excellent segue. Uh, the center seat, <laughs> 55 years of Star Trek. Um, yeah, they got around to it eventually, didn't they, Phil? <laughs> they, someone finally produced a celebration. Uh, it debuted a few days ago on the History Channel. The docu-series is a 10-parter. Here is a synopsis from the History Channel. Each of the 10 episodes centers around a chapter in the Star Trek franchise, from the original series and animated series, the classic Trek films, and the Berman era of The Next Generation, the Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise shows, and the Next Gen films. Um, here's a list of people they talked to, and they, they sat and got to sit down for interviews to be part of this. Nichelle Nichols, Uhura, Brett Spiner, Data, Kirstie Alley, I think she was in the movies, Walter Koenig is Chekhov, yes. Kate Mulgrew, Denise Crosby, Will Wheaton, sorry, Will Wheaton, John Delancey, from Cheers, Kent State University, oh, Phil. No. Good job there. Oh, Nicholas oh. Meyer, Ronald D. Moore, Brandon Bragan, Nana Visitor, Robert Ricardo, Penny Johnson, Ethan Phillips, Diana Maldar, Nicole DeBoer, Roxanne Dawson, Robert Beltran, Tim Russ, John Billingsley, John Dykstra, D.C. Fontana, Rick Berman, and Esbury Abraham, obviously, if these are the people that sat down for interviews, there are some big-time uh, names missing here. And it's called the center seat, 
implying the captain's chair, but only one captain in the entire line is listed in the names they are featuring from the official press release. And that's Voyager's Kate Mulgrew. No Shatner, no Patrick Stewart, no Avery Brooks from DS9, no Scott Bakula from Enterprise, no Chris Pine from the movies, although I think they did say that they're not really covering the new movies. And also none of the captains from New Trek that I am aware of. No Jonathan Frakes. For that matter, no George Takei. Uh, seems incomplete without some of these names. Now, this could simply mean that the listed interviews were done specifically for this series with the rest pulled from archive footage. I mean, let's be honest, truly, what is there left for William Shatner to say about Star Trek? And for that matter, George Takei as well. Um, it's something that I wish I had access to. I'd probably watch it, but uh, I, I just it'll be floating around the internet sometime soon. I don't have access to this one on the History Channel. Another Star Trek news, Star Trek IV, which is another way of saying Star Trek fourteen, is being pushed back, moving from June to December of 2023. No reason given, but it has also not been confirmed if this is the Kelvin timeline crew, which has populated the recent films. I know it's an unpopular stance to take on Star Trek, uh, but I hope they do return. I've enjoyed each of those three movies. I know they're very unpopular in the Star Trek community. Not sure why, but they are. Um, now, this is being helmed by WandaVision showrunner Matt Shackman. Uh, for those still wondering, hailing frequencies are all silent on the proposed Quentin Tarantino Star Trek. We would assume that that thing is not going to happen. But um, I'm kind of excited that I've decided that after the new year, I'm going to finally dive into new Trek. Uh, I kind of want to watch deep space nine too, because I it's, it seems to be the Knights of the old Republic for star Trek where people point that there's a really large section of the fan base that says that's actually the best star Wars, which is Knights of the old Republic. And there's a really large section of the fan base that says that the best star Trek is deep space nine. I've never seen it, so I, I kind of do feel compelled to check this one out. Um, I'm going to do that after the new year. I really want to see Picard. I haven't seen Picard yet. I, I hear it's really, really fun. Um, hopefully that, you know, some of these other trucks won't get pushed out into oblivion. Yeah, so... Uh, kind of keeping to the whole sci-fi push. First, I did misspeak on Dune. They are doing the first book in two. He intends to do the second book. Why the, That's why there's a plan for a third movie. Uh, uh, so wanted to make sure I cleared that up. Um, but what Darren was pushing is that one of my more enjoyable comics that was a little bit of a surprise, the Rick Remender, not Rick Remender. Uh, that is the wrong person. Oh my God. Now I'm drawing a Robert Kirkman. The Robert Kirkman sci-fi thriller uh, Oblivion Song is going to be pushed into a movie uh, being produced by New Republic and Nine Stories with Jake Gyllenhaal being the uh, producer and frontrunner for the film. Uh, could be very, very cool. It's kind of a crazy, crazy story, as Kirkman stories tend to be. If you like The Walking Dead, think aliens that are in a similar vein as that type of thing. All right, so enough, enough with uh, sci-fi. What's going on with some holiday stuff in Disneyland, Mark? 
Uh, well, first, I'm going to say that when I saw Oblivion's song on our news list, I wasn't familiar with it. I thought somebody wrote a song about a Tom Cruise movie. I was very confused. But, um, so, uh, Disneyland. Right? Ah. Yeah, yeah, I deserve that. I know. Me I too. was I was actually very confused not being familiar with the titles. I was like, what, what does that mean? So, uh, Disneyland uh, erecting more paywalls. Disneyland has a holiday party now starting at 165 per a person to attend. Uh, free activities and offerings in the park are dead now. And uh, the parks also close early for the party, which is a kicker on top of increasing prices for tickets, forcing a double buy if you want a full experience on a party day. The park closes at 7 on party nights, which is really irritating people with the price caps now, considering one-day, one-park tickets have a cap now of 164 with a previous of 154 just raised. And park hoppers now cap out where previously they were capped at 209, they are capping at 224. On top of that, Disney requires reservations for every single use of the park, whether you're buying a one day ticket or an annual pass. <laughs> so this is going over really well, like a lead balloon. Uh, Disney is increasingly pushing the envelope of what the market will bear. And I think sooner or later, they're just going to have to face the music when it collapses on them. Speaking of music, Matt. Now, Ooh. that is a professional segue, and I make it immediately unprofessional by acknowledging its professionalism. Uh, okay, so I'm going to get to it here. Uh, Cleveland Orchestra is going to be performing alongside the initial film in the Lord of the Ring trilogy, Fellowship of the Ring. Um, so in July of 2022, July 22nd through the 24th, Cleveland Orchestra will be playing the musical score from Lord of the Ring, Fellowship of the Ring, while the movie is being portrayed on the, in the background uh, on a large movie screen. Um, has anybody ever been to uh, a orchestra orchestral performance when they do something like this? Darren, you're raising your thumb. What's uh, where'd you go? What'd you see? And where did you see it? Star Wars at Blossom. Awesome, Mark. Uh, we did The Empire Strikes Back and The Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, that's outstanding. Anybody else? No, I saw this actually. So Darren mentioned uh, Star Wars and, and Mark mentioned Empire Strikes Back. I got the chance to see A New Hope done like this. Uh, my wife and I are fortunate we get the chance to take our boys over to Chautauqua in New York every year. And uh, as part of their performance, they did this thing. And I was, I was going just because I felt uh, a sense of uh, due diligence to go and, and check it out. And I was actually blown away by how much I really enjoyed the experience. So... Is Lord of the Rings is, is arguably one of my favorite series of films of all time. Uh, this is definitely something that I'm interested in doing. Uh, tickets are not ridiculous. They begin at $26 and they cap out at $121. So I'm sure you can get a pretty nice seat for somewhere in the middle there. Um, but speaking of seats and passes and tickets, Mark. Yeah, well, our final round of chaos in Disneyland tonight. Uh, new Magic Key passes, which is what they're calling their annual passes now, have sold out at the highest tier for the latest season. Uh, as previously mentioned, these require reservation, whether you're using a day ticket or a year pass. And uh, the double problem here is that the holiday season is completely booked with very little availability for anyone. So um, the problem being apparently that Disney, contrary to what everybody was thinking, that Disney was going to use these um, reservations to plan park capacity and plan staffing accordingly, uh, the parks are still overbooked and understaffed. Apparently, Disney is only using this data to manage, not to manage park crowds or staffing needs. They're just using it historically so they can tell when people want to be there. <laughs> 
<laughs> so um, it, they're, they're not really paying attention to the historical data or the current data. And uh, I don't know. That's that just it seems like a bad move all around and a waste of a really precious data resource that's flowing into you. You've got people telling you when they're going to be in the park, how far in advance they're planning their vacations. This is a gold mine of data. And I can't for the life of me fathom why they're not utilizing this to better staff the park to accommodate crowds. But um, I don't know. Move us on to uh, more hilarity-driven things, Gary. So, so they're, they're sold out, so I guess those would not really be uh, good Christmas gifts for this year, huh? No, no. I, I would not buy anybody a Magic Key Pass. <laughs> Especially right. not if they wanted to use it this year. Well, um, guys, I don't really have a good segue on this one. I don't really think this one needs one. Um I was re-listening to some past uh, holiday episodes, your Halloween specials and uh, Christmases of uh, past year. This got brought up as sort of a, uh, oh, screw it. History of the World Part 2 has been confirmed. Hulu is ordering a variety series follow-up to the classic Mel Brooks comedy film, History of the World Part 1. Um, History of the World Part 2 is described as a sequel to the 1981 film. Uh, the film, of course, was made up of segments set during different periods of world history, uh, featuring musical numbers and hilarity ensues all over. Uh, Brooks is a writer and executive producer of the series, along with Nick Kroll, Wanda Sykes, Ike Barinholtz, David, St- David Stassen, and Kevin Salter. Uh, There is no word yet on which events the series will cover. Uh, Hulu has ordered eight episodes of the show. Uh, The writer's room is beginning in October with production slated to begin in spring of 2022. Searchlight Television and 20th Century Television will produce. Uh, In an interview, uh, Brooks himself stated, I can't wait to once more tell the real truth about all the phony baloney stories the world has been conned into believing our history. Uh, Brooks Comedy Classics uh, films are consistently ranked among the best of all time, such as Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, The Producers, and Spaceballs. Um, I'm not going to go into the credits of the people who are writing, but can this exist now? I hope so. I'm, I'm, I'm I, 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 it feels it. laughing, but... As long as I get Hitler on ice, I, man, I'm good. <laughs> oh... I think we said in our text thread, as long as I get a, a redone version of the Spanish Inquisition, I'm, I'm 100% there. That's all I want to see. Oh. And does this okay, well, there's not... another question. So in the end of the first one, they gave you a taste of what was coming in the second. Are they going to stick to that? You know, Viking funeral? I don't think they can. This world will not handle that well. <laughs> That's what I mean. I mean, this is, seems like the absolute worst time to be doing anything Mel Brooks Granted, I am salivating for this. What has he got to lose? What is he like? He, that's what I'm, I know. He's old enough. He doesn't care. I mean, he can do what he wants. And he, I mean, he's got whatever. an audience for this. <laughs> I don't I know. Mean, this this is more exciting than Kids in the Hall release to me. Yeah, I, I, honestly, yeah. this is. The names you listed, though, Gary, I think those are trusted and smart enough that I, I think they're going to be able to push a ton of boundaries with this. Stuff. Well, with cool, be able especially. to do it. With the death touch, and I think honestly, I, I think, and in, I don't, I'm not trying to make a broad brushstroke here, but I think we're going to get to the point 
and we saw it perhaps with the, uh, and this is not controversial at all, but the David Chappelle stand-up comedy shows on Netflix. I think we're getting to the point where there's a, a hint of outrage fatigue. So um, if anything else, it might actually be the exact right time. Yeah, so I don't know right. if that's something we're going to see right. or not. And, and, and that's not to put any value on, on those things. I'm not trying to say one thing about the other or the other. But at the same time, I really do feel like this. I mean, with those with those comedians that you mentioned before, at least the first three I was familiar with, um, those comedians, I think that it's in good hands, and, and those folks don't mind um, crossing boundaries, and, and they do it often, and they have uh, historically. So I think I don't know. Everyone needs to have how, how many in their life. Everyone needs to have. I can't find this gif. I don't know what ever happened to it. It's Chris Rock looking dead in the camera and saying it's a blanking joke. And people, <laughs> we need everyone needs to have that somewhere where you just show like, okay, it's fine. Look, it's it's we're being funny. I'm not trying to offend you. So I have casting questions. I mean, how many of, of Brooks's original cronies? I mean, Cloris Leachin is still around. She's got to be in this. No, she's gone. No, she died. She did? When? Yes. Oh, real recently, right? Recently. Last year. This year. Yeah. Oh, jeez. All right. Never mind. I'm, I'm done. That hurt. <laughs> That's probably yeah. Uh, that was that wow. was I, I had a whole whole uh, thing I was gonna go off for of that, but okay, no, never mind. Uh, Doesn't yeah, work she, now. She passed away at the end of January. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on to something joyous now. As 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 we travel in this uh, particular pop culture bubble and our little podcast here, uh, I don't think we have a whole lot to complain about, given what we have or what's coming. You know, one of the Famous examples I always point to is we had a television show that was a dark crystal television show to follow up from the movie that never really got the play it deserved. So I don't feel like I've got it. Cobra Kai. I mean, come on. We don't have a whole lot to complain about. We have been given so much over the past five to seven years from uh, this little pop culture bubble. But I do have a question. In this endless world, of pop culture resurrections, reboots, and debuts. What has yet to materialize for you? From comics to games, TVs to movies, action figures to other forms of memorabilia, what, proverbially speaking, of course, would we be hoping is under the tree? Now, we did this last year um, for the first time. And, and I had a few things that, that were in, that was in my, uh, my, my top pick last year, coincidentally, was an open world Indiana Jones video game. And then about a month later, that was announced. Um, and I actually have one of mine repeating because I think that if I keep hoping this, this, this could happen, then maybe it will. Okay, so... I have a list of merit. I'm just going to mention this briefly. And it's Batman and the Arrowverse. What the hell are you waiting for at this point? We were going to confuse people with the amount of Batmans? Really? You got three of them going on simultaneously right now. But then again, I mean, I'm really, as I wrote this, I was kind of like, oh yeah, but I'm not really watching any CW shows, so I don't really care anymore. Um, But it would be interesting to see how they handle it, considering Superman and Lois, for 12 15ths of that season, Felt miles removed from anything that CB, CW ever did. Mark, you're going to love this one. Probably you too, Phil. You know what I really want? I want more Muppet specials themed oh, to yeah. Disney attractions. Come on, Space Mountain, oh, yeah. Tower of Terror? Yes. How about resurrecting pigs in space and Darth Nader and having them run around a galaxy's edge? 
by the way, one of the things I would hope under my tree, oh. under, my tree under my tree, I want a Darth Nader T-shirt. I'm gonna make a Darth Nader T-shirt. That would how, even better. How about a very uh, meta Muppet Vision 3D episode? <laughs> and my other runner-up, my other runner-up would be an open-world Universal Monsters game. Imagine exploring the spooky forests outside of Dracula's castle, then the dark hallways of the castle itself, hearing wolves howling in the background, hearing them get closer. Imagine what video game sound designers could do with this set and the tone. Imagining happening upon villagers outside of Frankenstein's laboratory, knowing that at any turn you could run into his monster. And here's the thing. I want this game to be black and white with only blood and fire as color. That's one of my, that's what I want. That's what I hope is under my tree. That to me would be super fun. I have lost my place. One moment, Matt. Your honorable mentions. Excellent. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and start off and laugh at Phil and Darren complaining about MCU movies being pushed back and indie being pushed back because my number one thing that I want to see is Avatar Two actually being released. Now, this scheduled date is for December of 2022. I'm going to wager that at some point between the next 13 months, that's going to get pushed back. And here's why. The original one was supposed to come out. The original Avatar 2 was scheduled to be released in 2014. Wow. Five years after (laughs) its initial release in 2009. That got pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. They have eight major dates pushed back since the idea of it came out now part of that is because james cameron was complaining about well not complaining i'm sorry he was waiting for technology to meet what he had envisioned which is what he actually done with avatar as well the first time around so i do trust him that when he does make these movies they're going to be as spectacularly uh, engrossing as avatar the first one um so i guess this is a little bit tongue-in-cheek here to say that um that we're waiting for something that we know is technically on the books but here's what i wish for i wish for this to be the final date of release so that's what i wish for i i just had to stop you because when you said <laughs> avatar 2 the first thing i thought was the m night Shyamalan like avatar based off of the cartoon i'm like why do you want a sequel to that you psychopath <laughs> and then my brain corrected itself so <laughs> not the airbender yeah just had to share that but see that's the problem avatar people have forgotten about that was a absolute juggernaut juggernaut the highest grossing movie of all time so at any rate, uh, so yeah, so that's what I hope for. I want that to, not a reboot. I just want that sequel to come. I'm so tired of waiting for it. I'm no joke. It'll be 13 years between releases, and I've honestly been waiting for it for 13 years. I, as soon as Avatar had seen it, I wanted to see what was going to come afterward. All right. Now, I thought about joking around about these ones a little bit, but I think the next two are actually going to come um, with uh, video game preferences. So the next one that I'm going to have is Journey. Now, I've mentioned Journey a couple of times here before. What I would love to see is actually a follow-up to Journey, the movie. And and it's the game company or that game company, very small, very independent uh, video game production. They've done amazing, amazing things with things like Flow uh, and then Journey. I thought it was amazing. It's an extremely calming video game to play. It takes about two and a half hours if you're taking your time to get through the entire thing. I want to follow up to that. That's what I want more than anything in terms of like, because it's it's the right amount of time for me to be able to play it because of, of my busy lifestyle. I can't sit down and, and play a behemoth like a Skyrim uh, at this point in my life. So I would love just a small game that I can play like that. And I really found that journey to be engrossing. So I really want to see Journey 2. That would be nice. And then speaking of Skyrim, here's what I really want. 
this is going to be the one that I'm most interested in seeing coming forward. Is this an honorable mention or is this your favorite? This is my favorite. This yeah, is the wait, one that I wait. really, then really, pump really. Pump your brakes, good sir, and let me get All my right. honorable mention. Real mentions quick, uh, just, absolutely, Matt. Just so you know, this is from September twentieth, twenty twenty one. New Journey album, Our Old Sound with a Different Strut, says Neil Sean and Jonathan Kane. It's majestic and soulful. The album is being worked on remotely, but they expect it's going to come out probably within the next 18 months. So there you go. Oh, I think. Well, you know, any way you want it. Yeah, that's the way you need it. Phil? <laughs> Nothing goes better with a scuzzy bar. I'm going to start seeing those people leaving, but. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let me kick off my honorable mentions after that. Um, my 30s is something absolutely ridiculous that will never exist in the world, which is functional web shooters. Um, not those silly string garbage things that we give children. I'm talking shoot a web and swing and then realize how out of shape I am. That is my, uh, that is my first honorable mention. My second, and this, this is on the books to come in potentially in the next like year or two, but a legit X-Men PlayStation game. So I know we're getting Wolverine. Insomniac's doing it. It's probably going to be great, whatever it ends up being. But what I am talking about is an X-Men game. Like, do you remember that SNES, Children of the Atom, where you had to play, you got to play as different X-Men for different stages because they were required to complete the uh, different challenges. Children of the Atom was the arcade game. The SNES game was not that. No, there was. Oh God, now what was it called? Um, oh no, Arcade oh, no. Revenge was the only one I remember. No, there was that an was SNES. Horrible. Oh no, oh no, that's going to drive me crazy. Um, 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 Mutant Apocalypse. Mutant Apocalypse. Children of the Atom is what came to my mind because I did this from memory. Oh, I do remember that. Wasn't there a level where you're like Wolverine destroying a plane in midair or something like yes. that? Yeah. Yes. That was that one was good. So that's what I was thinking of. Thank you for correcting me. So I something like that with modern technology and modern gameplay in like the realm of whatever we're gonna get with this Wolverine, I would love, love for an X-Men game like that with specific X-Men for specific levels. I would just have a blast with it. So those are my two honorable mentions. Gary? Well, I'm going to uh, recycle last year's number one as my number three. It could very easily be a number one again. <coughs> I want a fully functional, six-foot-tall, transformable Mega Maid from Spaceballs. I do remember you talking about that. For full shock value, check out last year's holiday episode okay my second honorable mention um much along the vein of you know the mention of luke and lando trekking around the galaxy and wanting a buddy film you tell us there's a story now you got to give it to them horizon zero dawn dlc i want to play as rost i want to go back and play the story of when him and the other members of the tribe had to go out and track a raiding tribe that slaughtered his family and tribesmen, where he became a death dealer and went out and hunted down everyone who uh, did them wrong. Uh, as a DLC, you could find, I don't want to say artifacts, um, 
just pieces of his story, and then you get to play that part of the story. Obviously, he doesn't have the machine-controlling ability that Aloy did, so you'd be without that part. But just a playable Rost story. It doesn't have to be a full game. DLC will be sufficient. But I would love to have something like that. Horizon DLC, the story of Rost. Mark? Well, that, that's a great idea, Gary. I, I like that a lot. I, w- I would play the hell out of that. Um, for mine, my first runner-up, I'm going to say I want somebody in this modern era of games to make me a good Flash game. And I don't mean like, you know, Shockwave Flash <laughs> games on Windows or, you know, flashing someone. I mean the Flash. I mean, I would go off my rocker if it was Rocksteady, but... Given the technology we have now and the way video games have progressed, my mind staggers thinking about the mechanics I could develop for Speed Force and gameplay. I mean, there's just so many ways you could pull that off from slowing down time, which is the standard now in a lot of games with bullet time, but you could do a lot of things like accelerating time. Imagine race sequences with that kind of speed. I mean, just I think that would be a hell of a lot of fun to play, and I really want that. Uh, for my next one... I would really like Disney to realize that all of the Spider-Man animated series they've tried in the meantime have been absolutely awful and say, to heck with it, we're going to figure out the licensing and bring back Spectacular Spider-Man. I would like them to just nuke what they've already got, what they have on the burner, and say, you know what, there was one that worked, let's just make sequels to that. The new stuff is just so childish. It is. So sad. It's, I, I've tried watching a few of them, and they're very screamy. <laughs> That's, that, was, that was Ultimate Spider-Man for me. I tried it. And oh, I was just oh like, Ultimate was awful. It was just people yelling at me. And then the, what was the next one? Spider-Man, I think it was just called. Just whatever. I watched Spider-Man and his friends. I watched the Spider-Man preview, which was like two minutes. And I don't think he stopped talking the entire two minutes. I was like, this sounds more like Deadpool. I like Spider-Man to be a smartass, but this is taking it a little far. He hasn't shut up once. It was just, it was too much. They went too far the other direction. So yeah, that's, that's my two runner up. All right. Let's, uh, let's go with our picks now. Um, All right. So this is a bit of a recycle from one of the other lists. I thought it was my list from last year, but it was not. And I'm not going to say too much because I think this itch may be scratched on this podcast very, very soon. And I have made, perhaps a bit off-topic mention, that one of the best series I've watched in recent years was The Last Dance, Michael Jordan's final season with the Chicago Bulls. The amount of access the filmmakers were provided, how they framed (laughs) the rise of Michael Jordan versus his final season with the Bulls, was truly mesmerizing. And I want that vision, perhaps done by the same team, which was an outgrowth of ESPN's 30 for 30, so already in the Disney ecosystem. And I want a series with the subject being the Star Wars Holiday Special. Now, there was a documentary announced called A Disturbance in the Force. even had a trailer. This was supposed to be released right around now and still has a 2021 release date on IMDb. However, the trailer has since been pulled from any outlet I can find. So, Mark, buddy, you're on deck. Matt? All right, 
well, I already kind of uh, teased a little bit too much there because I got too excited about uh, sharing my my final pick overall. Uh, but I mentioned Skyrim. So there's two things that I want out of this universe to have happen, which is I really want them to actually I, – I know, I know I know that they've not been lazy. Bethesda has not been lazy by any stretch of the imagination. They've been creating wonderful content for folks. But for me, it'll always be that Elder Scrolls thing. And Skyrim was really my first foray. So I know I came into it much later than a lot of folks. But that movie came out on 11, 11, 11. Wow. So that was November 11th in 2011. That movie or that video game came out. And I just want the mm-hmm. Elder Scrolls 6 to come out sooner. Right now, they're talking about it being later than 2022. But that's, again, that's kind of similar to what it was that I complained about in the first go-round with Avatar 2. So I can't be redundant. So here's what I really genuinely want. On the heels of a show that I didn't finish, but it was arguably still successful, like The Witcher, I would love to see them take the Elder Scrolls universe, right? With Skyrim being a fine, fine uh, launching point, but creating a live action TV show that is able to encapsulate all of the history that they were able to create within that, uh, within that video game and really do it justice and provide an opportunity for them to really focus in on that particular storyline and, and create something that is extremely watchable and more importantly, consumable in which that I can just sit back, relax, and watch a show. That's what I want more than anything. I would love to see that particular uh, video game done justice and brought to the small screen. So that's my favorite. Uh, I'm, just, I'm, I'm sad to hear that. I actually just read an article today about the next uh, Skyrim, well, you know, uh, game in that series, and that uh, it's way far off because they were worried about Starfield. So, yeah. So maybe TV show's not out of this world, but I also went down the route of a TV show for my uh, my desire for something that would be under the tree. So Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has had a pretty rocky throughout the time TV show run. I think if they went and leaned into the IDW more adultified Turtles, we could have a fantastic TV show that could run for a long time. And that is the thing that I would love to see a more mature look at those characters after my eyes have been opened so much from reading that IDW run and what could actually occur there. Um, Because it just, it, it feels like an untapped source for that. And it's just, so fantastic and and so mishandled much like spider-man that mark was talking about that in the last few years it's gotten a little too over the top and and chatty and it could be so much more so that is my favorite for what i would love to see is a idw reaction of of the tmnt run gary nice Okay, I have to uh, connect the strings here for you guys. Um, Last time we talked, Norm MacDonald had just passed away. Um, When this happened, I went back and re-listened some of his stand-up. The Fantastic Four skit he did, it was was great. But he did one bit on there that was the 12 Days of Christmas, where he basically uh, was on, on the phone with his girlfriend, you know, thanking her for the gifts that she had sent, you know the traditional partridge in a pear tree, et cetera, et cetera. You know, where all he really wanted was a hat. Anyway, so I was starting to think, as I was listening to some of our uh, backlog, 
uh, one of the episodes we had, uh, what Christmas specials we'd like to see. And then as I started connecting more dots, I would like to see a 12 Days of Christmas Christmas special based on the McKenzie Brothers' 12 Days of Christmas. With a beer in a tree. Yes, this would be something I would watch every year. Like, voluntarily. <laughs> that is what I would like to see under my Christmas tree. The McKenzie Brothers' 12 Days of Christmas holiday special. That's awesome. If only we had Excellent. quoted that. Thank you. If only we had quoted that earlier in this podcast. <laughs> I think you and I are the only one that picked up on that, Karen. Yeah, I got I, it. I just chose not to comment. <laughs> well, thank you, Mark. I appreciate that. Matt, take us home. Matt, Matt already Mark, went. Sorry. I already went home. Mark. I'm already there. I'm, I'm Matt, Matt's home. I'm, I'm here. I'm waiting. Um, I'll, I'll keep mine simple. Um, in the last few years, I've been enjoying a wonderful reboot from Disney with DuckTales starting in 2017, which wrapped earlier this year. And uh, creator Matt Youngerberg did a great job of modernizing that show and did a great job of setting up a Darkwing Duck spinoff and many other things in it. The one thing that's missing for me is Disney could make me very, very happy if they announced that they're going to do something with Gargoyles. From the same creator of Spectacular Spider-Man, Greg Weissman, Gargoyles was a staple of my watching when I was younger. The uh, My wife and I just watched it again a couple of years ago, the entire run on DVD. It holds up beautifully, and it's very suitable for either a child or an adult audience. It He walks that line so well with that show. The characters are so well-developed. Everything about it is fantastic. I would really love Disney to find a way to revitalize that one moving forward. That would make me happy under the tree. Are you going sequel or a reboot? I don't care either way. Just figure out what to do with it. And sequel would be my ideal. <laughs> um, Jonathan, given, um, Will Riker. Yep. Um, yeah, Jonathan Frakes. That guy, he, he was the uh, main villain in that, wasn't he? Yeah, Xanatos, yes. Okay, all right. I remember some things about it, not a whole lot. Yeah, hey, uh, they actually had a lot so. of, they pulled in a lot of next generation personnel on that one. Um Goliath's evil ex-lover was voiced by Marina Sirtis. Uh, Brent Spiner showed up as Puck when they went to the Land of the Fairies. Um, I believe Kate Mulgrew was Titania. Uh, they pulled in a lot of, like, Next Generation era <laughs> actors. Must have been down the hall. Uh, Michael Dorn played the cyborg, uh, half, uh, cyborg brother of Goliath. Uh, yeah, they just kept pulling in more and more as the season went on. All right, guys, this oh, was man. super fun. It's fun to hear what you guys have uh, yeah. are, are still missing. And, you know, I, I love our holiday special, but we're not done yet. I know we got some special things coming, don't we, Phil? Yeah, we do. Uh, a little bit later this month, we're going to talk about the movies that we associate with the holidays. That doesn't mean they're Christmas movies or holiday movies, but things that we just kind of have around this time of year. We're going to talk about the comics that we were stick, stuck, pick, and sayonaring. And Matt is going to do a retroactive Mark. review of Mark. 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 Why did I my things wrong? Mark's it's going a, to do a retroactive okay. review of uh, the Star Wars holiday special. I cannot and wait for that. Be, 
Yeah, I, I, so. Hey, Phil, it's all right. I worked in retail for over a decade. I answered to Matt, Mark, Mike, Miles, and Hey You. Hey, I mean, you know, how dare you both have names way too close to each other. All right. So uh, that will be in about two weeks. So until then, from the panel scanners, enjoy your comics. Thank you.